0: Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. In
1: spite of all our communication technology, no invention is as effective as the sound of the human voice. When we hear the human voice, we instinctively want to listen in the hopes of understanding it. Even when the speaker is searching for the right words to say, that's because the human voice resonates differently from everything else in the world. This is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. Listen in on candid conversations with creative entrepreneurs and insanely interesting people.
2: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which
4: All right, everybody, uh, welcome to another episode of uh, the Unmistakable Creative Backstage. I am here with my co-host, Greg Hartle, who is back from his uh, mini sick leave. So how are you doing, Greg? <laughs> uh,
5: much, much much better, yeah. So last week we had to cancel, or I had to cancel, because uh, I, I really thought I was on the verge of uh, uh, death by cough. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, this week feeling much better. In fact, just overall, just feeling... Much, much. This is probably the best today. It's probably the best I've felt since October of last year. Wow. Uh, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. So uh, so yeah, I'm feeling good. Ready to roll. Let's do this. All right. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you back. I'm sure that pe-
4: people, you know, people even asked, you know, wrote in and said, hey, is Greg okay? So, you know, good to know that everybody cares about you. <laughs>
5: Yeah. So, you know, I really do appreciate that. And I've, I've learned a lot about that lately, and I've actually had a few moments of awareness that people have pointed that out to me. Uh, and it actually was triggered by you, uh, when, when I wasn't responding to you, you, you went as far as calling my doctor, uh, (laughs) and and then when I finally did respond to you, I remember you said, uh, you you said well the last time the last time I lost track of you I ended you ended up uh, contacting me from the hospitals so I was concerned so uh, but what was interesting about that is you know I was talking to a couple of friends on two different occasions and I was like yeah people are like trying to track me down because uh, I had a really bad spell there where I wasn't I didn't answer to anybody I was just out cold mm-hmm. you know and not moving from bed. So basically I missed every appointment and I didn't respond to anybody's emails or text messages or any, I didn't even see them. I didn't check my phone or anything <laughs> like I was done, you know? And, uh, but when I talked to a couple of friends about it, they were like, well, isn't that cool that you have that many people in your life that love you? And I was like, whoa, you know, that's kind of a big deal. So it was, uh, it was a good, it was a good, uh, awareness for me. So yeah, I appreciate all the support from all the listeners too. Cool. Well, let's uh,
4: speaking of listeners, let's get into their feedback uh, a little bit on you know on our, our debate about feeding the ecosystem, which was you know the first time we actually disagreed on the air, which was kind of entertaining. Uh, so, this actually comes from Michael in Israel. He says, Greg, if you play back the podcast, I think you left out one important thing. No artist, even one widely acknowledged as exceptional, is owed a living. Even so, any creator is owed his asking price from people who take his original work, downloading slash taking without paying the price is theft. Uh, you know, it's interesting because he had a whole other thing about, you know, the, the laws around all of this and piracy laws in, in Israel. Uh, what do you think about that,
5: Greg? Actually, I think I'm in agreement. I, I I absolutely agree with that, and I think that was you know um, you know I think a lot of times it's more about clarity around what the actual uh, argument is or position is mm-hmm. because I'm of the position that every artist should be paid what they're worth if they're operating under a capitalist system and a market system and they want to participate in that. I absolutely think that. I've actually never pirated anything in my entire life, and I'm fully happy to pay for everything and have and always will. Um, And so I'm in agreement with that. My argument was, my position was that if no one paid for your art as an artist, you will still create. Mm -hmm. And if I understood you correctly, Srini, you made the claim that if no one pays for your art. You can't continue to make art. And I was just saying that I think artists will always create. It's just born into them Mm -hmm. and it's part of their nature. So whether they participate in a marketplace or not, whether anyone buys for them or not, they will not stop creating. And that was really the point I was making.
4: Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because that makes a perfect setup for, for you know, Charisse. She wrote it and she said, you know, free art ain't going nowhere, but what's going to happen is that creatives will become more skilled entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs yes. will create new business services designed to help creatives make money with their art. She's she's spot
5: on in my opinion.
4: Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's, that's pretty solid. Uh, let's see, who else do we got here? Amber wrote in and she said, you know, we need to go further and talk about what artists put in the world and the idea of value and value being money, but also so much more. Ooh. For example, yeah. the people that listen to your podcast are oftentimes inspired to go and create something of value themselves, and that can keep trickling down the line and likely you know, to return to you at some point in a monetary way or in another form of value, and, and that's from Amber. And you know, I, I actually really like that, that, uh, that feedback because I, I was talking to somebody today about you know, what, what it is that we do here, and, and you know, it's, this is something that really uh, you know, I've learned from you as well when we talked about 10-lap is, is sort of the ripple effect of a yeah. project. Uh, And I think that's what she's talking about. Like, you know, I mean, thousands of people around the world here listen. I mean, and my hope is that, you know, whoever is changed as a byproduct of this, they go out and they change other people's lives. And so there's there's, you know, it continues like it. it, It's the legacy of it. The ripple lives on after I'm gone is the idea.
5: Yeah, and that's a form of currency that, that um, inspires people to create, right? So that is, in fact, a form of payment. I mean, I spent three years of my life, the last three years, not making a dollar uh, uh, from the individuals that I worked with, you mm-hmm. know? So, I mean, I, I, if you added up the hours, it's, it's quite a lot, um, you know in in spending my personal time in the last three years helping people with their ideas and helping people create and and uh, all the creations I did in the last three years i didn 't charge a single dollar for, and I was perfectly happy with that and that 's kind of I guess why I had that position two weeks ago anyway was mm-hmm. that you know no one paid me a single dollar, and yet I could not have been more happy to continue to create mm-hmm. and, and because the form of currency for me was watching them create. As a result and watching them experience the things that they want to experience and that's, you know, that level of fulfillment. Now, that's not to say that we all don't have to pay our bills in some respects and, um, you know, there's a lot of people that want to create art to get paid for it, but there's also more than one form of way of getting paid for it.
4: Mm-hmm. So here's one last piece of uh, listener feedback, and this is from Allison, and it's interesting because she's bringing up our our Renaissance person conversation. Among creatives and entrepreneurs, I see the shift happening where craft is being framed around a problem to be solved. Often this looks like a collection of skills combined with expertise, perspective, and or purpose. I do believe that the future is a modern version of the Renaissance man slash lady. We're just a little bit ahead of our times. The challenge with that, of course, is that society is not currently designed for a Renaissance approach which that, that's actually a pretty, pretty uh, you know, interesting observation.
5: No, and it's, it's a very sophisticated one, and um, you know, there's a lot of deep angles there. But I, I would tend to agree with that, and, and I think it's, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens, I think, over the next 10 years as, as we kind of unfold here with the adoption of technology and, and the breakdown of barriers and the ability to create from scratch. Uh, will only continue to improve, and more people will have access to it and and we 'll see the result of of the ability to switch gears to change careers to move into other endeavors more quickly and start things more often and and we 'll see what the consequences of that are will will that create more opportunity or will that create just more uh, generic stuff i don 't know we 'll see
4: yeah yeah definitely well I think that you know speaking of technology. Uh, that, that makes a perfect setup to talk about what we want to get into today, which is, uh, something that's been on my mind, uh, quite a bit lately as I've, you know, become obsessed with, you know, pen and paper and my moleskins and, you know, freaking out when I leave them somewhere. Uh, it, it's, you know, I, I nearly had a, a breakdown because I left a moleskin at our, our venue for our event. And luckily the guy had it there when I went back the other day. Uh, but you know i wrote an article on medium titled the, the virtues of pen and paper uh, a ca- you know which was basically a case for going analog in a digital world and you know i I'm at, I've, I've sort of come to the conclusion that you know technology is amazing i mean i've always said you know the, the gap between creativity and technology is narrower than it's ever been and and it's giving us all these opportunities and yet, the more you know I, I go down this path, and the more I create work and the more I write, the more I am starting to see that there may be a diminishing return to technology as a tool to facilitate creativity. Um, you know I, I think that, that there's a certain point at which it actually starts to hinder our creativity. Uh, you know I mean I, I got to the point a few weeks ago. Where I was with a friend, and I had to delete the all the email apps from my phone, and it took about three days to reduce my anxiety level back to like a a normal standard thing. Like I had probably pressed the button ten times because I was so worried about what was going on in my inbox. I mean, and that's that's kind of an aside, but I think that the the you know of course you know when your mind is filled with that, how can you be creative? And yet, when I sit down at a blank page in the morning. Uh, you know, I think I've mentioned, you know, I have a whole new ritual now where I, I set this room up, the room that I'm in right now, uh, you know, like, like an operating room, like a surgeon sets up his room the the day before an operation. I come in here and the first thing I do before I go to sleep at night is I make sure there's not a single piece of technology in this room. Mm -hmm. And all that's in here is pen and paper and books. And, you know, I am finding this to be much more therapeutic as a creative process, um, and I'm finding that I'm much more creative and I'm having more insights than I've ever had. And, you know, the, the, I think I'm hearing the sound of my own voice in a very different way than I Mm -hmm. ever have.
5: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know my position on technology, just in general. I mean, I, I'm I'm still a book reader, and uh, I don't check email. I check email, I don't know once a day maximum. I could care less about my phone. Um, you know, so for me personally, technology is just not that interesting uh, from that perspective in my day to day life. Yet, you know, the first business I ever built was a uh, the, the first business I ever founded. Was a telecommunications company, and I own three technology-driven companies right now. You know, um, you know, I'm I'm part of the development team of two different apps, and so it's not that I don't like technology. It's that for me personally, I don't leverage it to that degree. Um, you know, from a social network standpoint, uh, it's been you know quite some time since I've updated any sort of social network other than if it's specific to a project or business. Mm-hmm. So you know that that's just my general opinion, you know for, for, for me personally, but I think in the bigger sense, what you're saying here it's not just technology, it applies to everything in life, which is there's always a point of diminishing returns I mean exercise is no different, focusing on your you know diet and nutrition is no different you know when you become obsessive about something it's usually not healthy you know mm-hmm. it moves beyond the level of healthiness it's just that technology um, by and large has habit building um, aspects to it on purpose so mm-hmm. You know look you know computer programmers are not stupid people these are incredibly intelligent individuals who study the science behind it um you know and, and and we do too in my businesses that are technology focused i mean we study uh habit loops and habit habit patterns we want you to develop the habit to continuously come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how our business survives. So, that is no different than any sort of social network or any sort of app or anything else. If it's done well, it's done to make you addicted to it. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that part, you know, is a serious aspect of it. There's a lot of science behind that. And what happens is, of course, is it be, you become addicted to it and it becomes to start to control you instead of you it. And, uh, and that's what you're seeing personally play out in your life is you were being controlled by those technologies and now you're starting to take that control back. And through that process, you're freeing up the psychic energy within yourself to instead of being controlled, instead of having that psychic energy be controlled by it – you are controlling that psychic energy and, and leveraging it and, and facilitating where that energy goes now. And that energy happens for you to be put into your writing and other creative endeavors, which is causing you to produce better work.
1: Hold up.
2: Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I think that there, there's no question. I think that you're, you're right about the uh, the addictive nature of these things. I mean, even I think there's been a lot of work done around yeah. sort of the how a reward center in the brain works. Right. And like you even like something as simple as getting a like on Facebook produces a dopamine rush of some sort. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's And so it just becomes addictive or, or getting messages from somebody. And yet, you know, I think that what what is happening here is that the noise of all of that just starts to fill our lives. And it gets to a point, like, it's great when you start out because it's like, hey, cool, I can share all this stuff. I can put it out into the world. And then, you know, next thing you know, like you said, it starts to control you instead of you controlling it.
5: And uh, it yeah. just well, – use those i mean like anything you have to use those tools to serve you not sabotage you i mean a a knife can be used to spread butter on a piece of bread or it can be used to kill someone right right so it's a tool it's how you personally use that tool that matters most and so i don't think that it's technology's fault Mm -hmm. i don't think that it's The app's fault. I don't think it's the app developer's fault. You know, I I think it's our responsibility as a citizen of that technology to use it in a way that serves us, not sabotages us. Now, that's not easy. You know, that's really easy for me to say. That's not easy to do, right? So... You have to be aware of that. You have to do things like go on digital detoxes. You have to do, you know, put in systems and, and other things in place, or like in your case, you know, delete apps from your phone or whatever on occasion. But you know, it doesn't mean you have to swing from one, you know, one side to the other. There, there's a happy medium in there as well. I mean, there's times to use technology and there's times not to use technology. Um, you know, that that serves you. But I think what's what's fascinating to me is it's it's all about clutter in mm-hmm. my mind. It's it's all about clutter of the mind. And when you free up that energy to be used for your creativity, it's amazing what you can create, but it's very hard to free up that energy when you have so many things coming at you and so many distractions in your way, you don't have the opportunity to free up that, that energy, which is why me personally, that's why, that's why I don't. Um, adopt a lot of technologies that other people do. It's not that I don't know about them, it's not that I don't appreciate them. It's not that I don't leverage them in business, uh, but I just personally don't do that so that I can keep my mind clear as often as possible.
4: Yeah, that that's actually really interesting. you know, it's funny because uh, <clears throat> like, like I've noticed for sure like when you start the when you start to delete stuff and you start to clear clutter, I mean, even if you listen to our, our guest from earlier this week, Stephen Kotler, who talked about the neuroscience of flow, and, you know, when he got really sick with Lyme disease, he said, he, I said, you know, what is the secret to, he said, really, it comes down to narrowing everything down to the four or five most important things in your life and doing only those things. He said, you'll be yeah. amazed what happens in your life when you're willing to do that. And it's funny. I love that you said there's a happy medium because earlier today, you know, when I knew we were going to talk about this, I was doing research on uh, Ted Kaczynski. Uh, and I was like, so, you know, basically you're saying there's a happy medium. What, what Greg is saying is you don't need to become the next Unabomber. And that's not what we're, we're advocating here. Uh, <laughs> but you know it, it was it was really interesting to read that and think huh, i wonder what, like apparently he wrote a manifesto i'm very curious about this guy's work now i mean i think he took it to an extreme and he was insane but you know the, to me there's there is something i think it's it's a bit strange that we have reached a point where we need a digital detox like that wor- that that worries me i think that we're i think we're, See, da- I, we're playing with I, dangerous territory
5: No, see, I disagree. I disagree. See, I I think that that's what tends to... We're so short-sighted, that's what tends to happen, right? So in in my opinion, I I think... If you need a digital detox, it's not—it's not a problem. Just you know, it's a digital detox, and I don't think that's any different than needing a, a body detox. Mm-hmm. Like you know, if you're if you're running rampant all the time and you're in a uh, you know in an environment that's filled with toxins and other things, your body needs a detox. It's you, you don't not live in New York City because it you know or L.A. because it has pollution. You just do the things you need to do to live in L.A. and still have a thriving body and still have a thriving mind. Like I don't. I think that we tend to take such extreme – we think of those things as extremes instead of those things as just a part of life. Mm -hmm. So a part of life is to take a digital detox. It's not a, oh my god, I'm desperate. I have to take a digital detox. (laughs) It's build that into your life and then it's not a big deal. And see, I think that that's what happens is, is, is we we become so short-sighted and we, and we think things have to be drastic like that instead of just that's a part of life. A part of life is we're digitally connected all the time. So another part of life is take breaks from it. Mm-hmm. And really, it can be quite that simple.
4: Yeah. Well, now that you've put it that way, as you were saying that, I was thinking, okay, you know what? The, the detox doesn't have to be the detox camp that they have. It's make right. this a part of your daily life. Yeah. And, and it's true. I mean, I, I've started taking long walks and as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, this is something I need to do daily. I really should just do this daily. I think that like, I will tell you the most creative time I have is the time when I am not connected to technology.
5: Yeah, that's because you're freeing up that psychic energy, and 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 that's the, been the case for myself as well. So every day I sit in a dark room by myself doing nothing. In that room, you know, has no technology in it or nothing on, and that makes a huge difference for me in terms of my creativity. And so I I just build that. In. It's not a big deal. I don't need to make it a big deal. Like oh my god, I have to do this. It's just a part of my life, mm-hmm. and and that's the difference I think. Because once it becomes just part of your routine and part of your life, then it, then it doesn't reach those levels of extreme that you were talking about earlier, where if you delete an app from your phone, you can't handle yourself, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and, and you want to check it all the time. And it, you know, it's about, it's about, uh, managing that and controlling that. So it doesn't control you.
4: Yeah. You know, I think that you, you'll get to a certain point where you, you realize that, OK, you know what, I need to do something about this. And I, I think that you're right. I mean, I think that once you get into the routine, it just becomes part of your daily life. It's, you know, I think that it was Danny Shapiro who we had here a while back that, you know, convinced me of the virtues. You know, I remember she specific. I, I asked her about this idea of, you know, in her book, she says, fill your ears with the music of good sentences. And I said, you know, so how do you suggest I do that? And she said, by not starting the day in front of the computer. Yeah. And I thought that's actually quite profound. So, and that was that for me, that was the case for getting back to reading physical books again. Like now I'm actually getting books in the mail and I'm realizing this is actually kind of nice. You read slower. And even when you write by hand, like you write slower. Like, I think there's something very different about the way you slow down in these processes.
5: Well, I think for just a personal observation on my my end. By the way, I'm really curious to hear what the uh, listeners have to think of this. If if we've reached an extreme level of you know digital connection that it's actually hurting our creativity and hurting our processes, or if people think it's no big deal, or you know, I'm, I'm curious to know what the listeners think. If if all of us need to go on a massive digital detox <laughs> boot camp or whatever, um, well, then so, nobody would know, be listening, Greg. If we did that, that'd be a yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So don't go that extreme. <laughs> then we couldn't pay our bills um but no I'm, I'm i'm really curious because this is a, a topic you know this has obviously been a topic of conversation over the last couple of years um especially with the uh, adoption you know rate of social media and social networks you know but I, I remember seeing a photo somebody posted a photo recently of of a um train car it, you know it was like a commuter train probably in new york city on the way into manhattan and everybody had a newspaper up in front of their face and nobody was talking to each other, right? And so it was kind of like, you know, 50 years ago version of today where everyone has their phone up to their face and no one's talking to each other. And that's what I mean is sometimes I think we we get short-sighted about this. We act as if like we're so different today than we were 50 years ago when we're really not. Our behaviors are very much similar. We're just doing different things. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious to know what the listeners think. So write in unmistakablecreative.com slash contact very very interested in that but a personal observation in you Srini is i think what's happening is it's allowing you to slow down a bit because you're such a you run at such a, a fast pace um, <laughs> and and your tempo is so quick and i think that the you know digital technologies that you've been uh, adopting over the recent years has actually accelerated that for you to the point where you your mind has become noisy mm-hmm. And now you're adopting processes that slow that down. And through the process of slowing that down, you're starting to tap into different angles of your creativity that you weren't before.
4: Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, that's a pretty accurate observation. It's funny because as, as you were talking about this, you know, if, for those of you guys who haven't seen uh, our Facebook page, Um, Sarah Steenland is doing some pretty clever illustrations, uh, that are, that are like a social commentary on a lot of it. And I think one of the really funny ones is, uh, it's one of her basically sitting at the computer saying, Oh my God, I got all this work done. Uh, and then, you know, she pretends to be like, you know, taking a break and 10 minutes later she's back at her laptop.
5: Yeah. Yeah. No, those drawings are great by the way. I I mean that, that Facebook page is starting to get pretty fun and clever, you know, with all those pictures, but yeah, I mean it, it, look, Technology is here to stay. We know that for sure. And it's only going to be a a bigger part of our lives. And so the question becomes is, what do we do about it? How how do we make sure that we can tap into our creative energy? How do we make sure that our mind doesn't become so cluttered that we're not producing and instead we're just consuming? Um, It's an interesting question, you know, and one that I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts about.
4: Yeah, well, uh, definitely write in at com slash contact. Let's review our iTunes reviews, Greg, and then we'll close everything up. Uh, Brandon Barnett writes in, says, You are not alone. Srini knows how to get to the heart of the matter. This podcast celebrates the individual while reminding the listeners that we are not alone. Uh, as a Nashville-based songwriter, I can assure you this is not just for bloggers. Well, thank nice. you for that. That is awesome. We're happy to hear that we are getting uh, you know people who are songwriters listening to us. That's awesome. Uh, the, you know, and here's another one, uh, scrappy decoding, eminent of cre- eminent creative essence. This team is an example of how to rebrand and relaunch successfully. They popped the bubble and created fresh air. New website is awesome. Content is relevant. Candid smart and brings me back.
5: Nice, nice.
4: Well that's uh, scrappy decody. I don't know who uh, <laughs> whose name that is.
5: I pre- I really appreciate that because you know how scary it is to change the brand like that. Oh man, it's it's unnerving. So it's good to hear that kind of feedback. I appreciate it.
4: Yeah, yeah, especially, you know, after five years of going in one direction. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here is another one by I love I love this app is the username. Wow, where do I start? Well, for those of you who don't know, Srinivas Rao, the founder of Blogcast FM. While uh, Blogcast FM was an amazing podcast in its own right, focusing focusing mainly on the world of blogging, what it has morphed into with the unmistakable creatives is leaps and bounds ahead of its predecessor. What we have now is a podcast that trumps many others in creativity but has the same depth, intelligence, and voice that was Blogcast FM.
5: Wow. Wow. Wow.
4: What do you say to that? Jeez. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. That's amazing. Uh, Addie K. Martin, who has been one of our longtime listeners, I've been learning so much from the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. I've been a devoted listener for about a year and have gained so much insight from the interviews. I feel like I get more from these shows than any other source that I rely on uh, learning more about growing and being better at what I do. I can see in my thinking approach to work is fundamentally shifting for the better. I'm grateful for the compass. Well, I love that.
5: Yeah, that's great. I've actually met her in person. She's an awesome person.
4: That's right. She's in New Orleans. Well, shout out to Addie yep. and then uh, Tammy Strobel, who actually was one of our guests before, wrote in, The Unmistakable Creative Podcast is the only podcast that I listen to consistently. I love the interviews and stories. Hearing other stories makes me feel less alone and inspired to keep creating. So love those Very reviews. Cool. You guys are, are amazing. I mean, that, that, that may be some of the most stellar reviews we've received in quite some time.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, they just keep getting better and better and better. I mean, people people are really writing in, people are loving it and, you know, it inspires us to keep going and keep building and keep making it better. Although, I mean, that part I'm sure drives you crazy at times when I'm constantly like I think we can do better. But uh but you know, it it th- these kinds of things inspire us to do better and and uh, hopefully it's paying off.
4: Yeah, and uh, you know, keep those reviews coming as we've mentioned to you guys before. They make a huge difference on our ability to find sponsors and also to keep growing the show. Uh, You know, the more you write reviews, the more people find out about us, the bigger that we can, you know, get in terms of bringing you guys high profile guests and really cool and interesting people. So uh, keep those coming and we'll talk to you guys next Friday.
1: Thanks for listening in on another candid conversation at The Unmistakable Creative. Embrace your inner misfit, express your creative voice, and remember the goal isn't to live forever, but to create something that will.
2: And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
0: Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel?